0: This awesome. is no laugh track. Acme Comedy's official podcast. My name's Justin Severson. My guest for episode twenty, Shane Moss. Hi, Hello. Shane.
1: Hi. Hi. We're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Let's <laughs> let's do it. So, how are you doing? I'm um, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Had a had a uh, good first show last night. Looking forward to the rest of the week as usual. Uh Acme, always a fun club. Yeah.
0: Today is uh Wednesday.
1: Yeah. This will be posted
0: later today. So you did one show last night.
1: We have uh a live studio audience here right now. Yeah, this is as many people <laughs> as were here last night. Oh, old Tuesday night. It's hard. I think Acme's um I wonder if they're the only club... One of the only clubs in the country that do a Tuesday night show. I do so, that. Yeah. So, considering that, I thought it was a nice little turnout sure. last night. Usually when I'm here, I'm here during that uh, summer contest thing. Right. And, um, and everyone contest. gets all their friends to show up to see them do stand-up for the first time or whatever it is. Right, and then you come yeah. out here
0: and go, hey, wow, huge crowd. Thanks everybody for coming out. Oh, wait. Who's here for the first contestant?
1: Hey, uh, how yeah, about yeah. A
0: second? Hey, who's here for me?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if Maybe, if I'm lucky, I'll get it. <laughs> That's the best I hope for. Who's here for me, everybody? One person. <laughs> sort of yeah
0: that was the door (laughs) (laughs) what uh what's your history here at acme i know you've been here before because we've met before several years ago so
1: yeah this is my fourth uh year here in a row i'm always here around this time although usually earlier i was i realized when i got here i was like oh i packed like i was here last time when it was nice and warm
0: oh you just missed that by
1: the way oh really you
0: missed you just missed warm
1: Ah, yeah. I hate cold. I'm I, out in L.A. now, and I was in Austin for a year before that, and so I've just become accustomed to uh, being out of the cold weather. I'm from Wisconsin, yeah. So from La Crosse, so I'm from you know two and a half hours from here, and so uh, it's fun when I come back. Sometimes, especially on Friday and Saturday night, it'll end up becoming like a high school reunion. That's that a good? Where, that's uh, a good thing. Yeah, I mean. Uh, i i mean it wasn't I, wa- I wasn't either i i wasn't popular or a loser in high school i was just like uh you were just kind shamed. of like in the just middle somewhere yeah. um and hung out with a fair amount of people but i was, i was somewhat invisible and sort of kept to myself so uh people like uh, I, I think didn't know much about me and yeah. then I became a comedian they're like oh I went to school with a guy who's on TV yeah, that's they, great are people like dude we had chemistry together yeah I mean there it does happen um I mean, it happens a lot here, but even, I mean, I'll be in like Nashville or something like that, and all of a sudden someone will come to a show and be like, remember me? I was in a grade above you and this and that. And uh, have you, some you played baseball of me with, and, my, with my little brother. Yeah. And, uh. <laughs> uh, like, oh, that's terrific. Thanks for coming out. Um, but it is cool. I, I have uh, a few of my groups of friends ended up out here i mean just a, a lot of people from lacrosse that want to get to a big city minneapolis a, is a good destination still staying close to home and whatnot yeah. so yeah it's fun i'm staying for an extra night so i'll probably like crash at the at a buddy's place or something like that oh so really that's handy you yeah. big plans for that day no no i haven't uh, i haven't even i'm not sure who i'm staying with just yet oh, I'm, well. I'm deciding i have one i have one good friend that i would normally ask to stay with but uh he just got married he usually doesn't uh have the nicest place in the world i hope he he's probably my one friend that would actually care to listen to this podcast and he knows who he is uh watch what you say then yeah i know but uh so so we'll see i have like i have like married friends with extra bedrooms and all that that i could stay with but then i feel like i'm a burden because they have kids and and all that stuff yeah it's i mean as a guy we just don't need much uh and no no ladies need stuff they need lots of it i just uh, push
0: the newspaper to the side and all the yeah in the uh, ashes and you'll be fine yeah yeah
1: i mean they do a great job uh ladies making house putting together houses and the decorating and all that stuff and uh and making us responsible but i sometimes feel like is this ever going to end like oh, yeah. okay the house is up and decorated and uh looks great can we stop now mm. can we stop with always having to add stuff
0: not everything has to match it's okay right, right. It's okay
1: so i'm i'm just uh i'm going through that because i have a uh, I have a new girlfriend since the last time I was here. Oh, and um, and we moved in together like right away. because um, <laughs> so I moved to L.A. for her, and then I was like, ah, oh, now I got to go and find a place in L.A. And what I could get on my own was kind of crappy, and she wasn't happy with her living situation. And uh, it's just easier when you combine your resources. Combine it, it, you can resources, get yes. Such a nicer place, and so. I went through months of, like, I was I was put to work, like, every day, like, painting walls and all that. Our place looks fantastic. Oh, really? But I'm just to the place now. I'm like, okay, we're done now, right? I mean, how much... How much uh, improvements do we really want to do to a rental apartment? We're renting an apartment, yeah. and she has me like remodeling a rental property. It'll be great for the that, next, uh, yeah, exactly, for the next couple
0: that lives there. Exactly, They'll really all appreciate the work that,
1: that I put into it. Now, now they're just going to go and increase our. I, I think. I think we have. It's California, so I think. I think they have some sort of
0: uh, a, control. Yeah, yeah, uh, rent, rent control. Rent control. Is yeah, that yeah. It? Right. that's it. Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah. So, uh, so hopefully they don't try to raise the cost on us. too How much.
0: serious is this relationship? Are you? buying... I mean,
1: we live together. Are you buying
0: furniture together?
1: Yeah, we buy furniture together. That's pretty serious. It is. That's pretty serious. It's a level of commitment, and uh, oh, yeah. you know, combining resources. Uh, yeah, we're in love. Things are going well. Combining genitalia. Uh, combining, combining genitalia. Resources.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it goes buying furniture together, then a dog, and then kids. So,
1: oh boy, she's really pushing for that dog too. She really is. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. At our at our place, though, first off, she's a comedian as well. Her okay. name's April Macy, and uh, she travels a lot, so she's on the road at least as much as I am, uh, and so. <laughs> So it's just, it's ridiculous for us to have a dog. I mean, oftentimes there's no one home for weeks at a time. But what's saving me is our apartment doesn't allow pets. But she's still like, maybe we can talk to them. If it's small enough.
0: If we get one that doesn't poop,
1: it will yeah. be fine. Uh, and I hate small dogs passionately.
0: I can see it now. You'll be back next year on this college I talking know, to me. I talking
1: about... We're, no, no I, I'm going to be holding
0: yeah, my little... Saying. Oh, your
1: little, man.
0: Your little lap dog.
1: My, uh, what are the worst one? Like, maybe those little mini poodles or what are they called? I, I don't know. know. I hate all those small dogs. They suck. Just get a cat. They're all... They're all... Um, <laughs> they're all like... Uh, I just hate those small dogs that are yippers. they got to mask their their insecurities because they see all these other big dogs around, so they try to act tough. That's the Napoleon. uh... Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, buddy, if I wanted a a guard dog, I would have bought a guard dog. I got you to be cute, and you yipping all the time isn't cute. Just be cute like what I bought you for. Little dogs should be used
0: to feed big dogs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, That works. Uh, that's what I think.
0: I think that works. I have some questions about growing up in uh Lacrosse. Yeah. Because uh when when uh let's see how do I say this? Like I grew up in the tw- in the Twin Cities. So mm-hmm. when I and I had some relatives that grew up like in southwestern Minnesota, let's say 2 hours away from here. Yeah. And they would talk about it, uh no one says it here, but there they say, "Oh, you know, well, last weekend we went to the cities." You know, like the big city, meaning the Twin Cities, to come right, you know, right, like do right. shopping or you know go shopping or whatever. And uh, is there an equivalent in Lacrosse? Like people say, we're going to where would they go for the big city?
1: Oh well, I mean, in lacrosse they would come here to. Uh, I mean, I think for a lot of people to drive like two and a half hours, especially like smaller town people which I was a town right outside of Lacrosse. most people I knew, they didn't travel that much. And when they did, it's just like your standard, like, oh, I hear everyone's supposed to go to Hawaii one time in their life, so they would do that. <laughs> so it's people that aren't necessarily cultured or whatever. So to, to drive two and a half hours to... Uh, you know, Minneapolis, where it's a big city and I don't understand how the traffic works yeah. and it's scary, but I hear they have a real big mall up there. That's right. And, I mean, uh, the idea of vacationing to go to a mall is r- absolutely ridiculous to me, but that's mm-hmm. that was the kind of stuff that we'd uh, do when we were kids. And it's like, oh, the Mall of America, awesome, which... Um, Can we spend the whole week? You know, hey, whatever makes you happy. You know, <laughs> it's just now, now that I've traveled more and I know better. It's like ah, oh, there's there's a lot. I mean, I know not everyone has the money to just go off and do things right, whenever right, they right, want right. to, but uh, if you are going to save up money, uh, go and get some culture somewhere because it's going to it's going to increase your happiness level in, in your experience a lot more than the Mall of America is going to. It's like here's every store you've ever seen before in one place. Right. Can you believe it? Wow. And there's big Legos and <laughs> That's right. And like uh I used to have to go to Chicago and Milwaukee. Coasters. To see all these things
0: now i just go to bloomington minnesota
1: yeah you know that crappy fair that rolls through your town once a year here's a permanent version of that <laughs> like, right. and none of and none of this stuff individually is good no. uh and but the idea is if you put all this crap together that makes it special or something like that and and you know, whatever, I can see why 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 kids would enjoy the Mall of America and why it would be an easy destination for parents, but yeah, I would say and and the interesting thing about that too is I mean, my parents are from so they ended up moving to you know suburb of the cross but they're from small cities in Iowa oh, and wow. if you go to these small cities in Iowa I mean you're talking real kind of bum fuck ass backwards sure
0: main street has a bar yeah
1: yeah and that, that's about it mm-hmm. and like the gas station yeah and uh, I mean my dad's hometown I think the populations man I maybe like 500 people or Boy. something like that and uh, you know, they got one school and that's that. And, um, but f- so for them to travel the 40 minutes to go to La Crosse, Wisconsin. Yeah. Cause they have a mall there that's like, uh, you know, basically a strip mall. A
0: Ben Franklin yeah. and a
1: Pomida. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> like, wow. Can you believe it? And, and then, and then even to them, it's like, uh, the idea of of like someone being scared of how big of a city the cross is like, oh my gosh! The, I saw a colored person in there. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and uh, and uh, you know all these uh, cars with or you know roads with four lanes. Yeah, going I the same direction. Seen anything yeah. like it? And uh, so. So, yeah, I don't know. The, I guess the moral of the story is get out and see some stuff. I'm not saying that like big cities are better at all. I'm saying that – you, and if you're from a big city, you should go and check out some small cities sure. sometimes. Yeah. But if I, living in a bubble is what concerns it's, it's me. It's a very bad thing. Yeah. I always thought that my
0: cousins were got ripped off at Christmas because yeah. – I was the only one. Well, me and my sister were the only ones that were from. Oh, and I guess I had two other cousins. But anyway, in any case, we're the only ones that were from, you know, like the Twin Cities. And everyone else lived in the middle of nowhere, you know, like several hours from here. I always felt they got ripped off at Christmas because their parents didn't have the same shopping options as my parents did. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember yeah, like yeah, yeah. one year my cousin got a. Uh, oh, what was it? Uh, do you remember the. I don't know if you're you a basketball fan, like NBA basketball. There was a player named J.R. Ryder. That played for the Timberwolves like twenty years
1: ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He was a he was he was kind of a thuggish guy. He was from um, Oakland. Anyway, I think I remember. Yeah, I used
1: to collect cards back in the day. I'm not into sports anymore. Yeah, yeah.
0: well, he won the slam dunk contest one year. Oh, okay. And uh, I remember Christmas, my cousin, and this was like three years after J.R. Ryder like, had left the Timberwolves, and I think he was like, you know, in and out of basketball because he used to get in so much trouble. My cousin opens up her Christmas present, and it's a J.R. Ryder jersey. And I was just
1: oh, like, oh, I'm so. I, I went and patted
0: her on the back. Like, I, was this a mistake?
1: Like, is this. Did these just get to your town? Like? Yeah, well, a lot of times parents just don't know either. I, I mean, I feel like. That must be one of the tricky things with being a parent. Of like, uh, you know, as a kid, what's cool to you obviously seems absolutely absurd to any adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and insignificant. Well, I mean, may- maybe not sports or whatever, but to to them, like, that you're trying to like buy something nice. She that says your she kids wants a jersey. going to get her a jersey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I remember, I wanted. uh when i first got a cd player yeah. for christmas oh my god i was so happy but i uh, my mom was kind of like Poking around at what CDs that I want, and I was, you know, I was really young at this, and I wasn't really into music yet. And what I wanted more than anything was Weird Al CDs. Oh yeah, and I got. Speak my language. Yeah, here. yeah. yeah. Uh, which, by the way, Weird Al is still awesome. If there's people out there that haven't seen Weird Al like live in the last few years or I've whatever, year. I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's uh, it's fantastic, mm-hmm. really good show. But anyhow. Uh, She got me a CD instead called Wacky Weirdos, which was like a, uh, it it was like a bunch of Halloween like kids songs, like Monster Mash and like Purple People Eater and stuff like that. (laughs) Like just meaning really well and (laughs) like you couldn't have been further off from, and then it's like. Uh, and I remember playing it no, to li- my friends, like, look how stupid my mom is. This is what it's like. My mom was just like trying to do, uh, you know, make me happy and get me the thing that I wanted. And we we're shitty kids that uh, I say we, not every kid was as terrible as I was. No, but, you, yeah, uh,
0: you break their hearts doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember when I, the uh, Christmas after Return of the Jedi had come out. And I was, like, huge. I still love Star Wars. I was huge into collecting the toys. And it's the same thing. My grandparents lived in Cambridge, Minnesota, which now is, like, a bigger city. But back then, it was this thing. You know, they had the one drugstore, one bar. Right, right, right. I think they had a movie theater with one theater, you know. And uh, there was definitely no Target or Walmart or anything. And we go to Christmas, and I really wanted an Ewok action figure. So I'm opening up my presents, and I rip this thing open, and I can see, like, it's an Ewok. And then I look closer, and it's a fucking eraser. Uh, it's an eraser. <laughs> so, like, it's, just, it's you know, stiff. Like, you can't pose the arms. It's not yeah, going to walk. Yeah, yeah. And if I use it, it's going to get smaller. Like, <laughs> I remember, like, looking at it, like, almost getting tears in my eyes. Like, this isn't an action figure. Like, what a little prick. What yeah. an ungrateful little dick I was. Like, that was the best she could do, but it wasn't good enough for me. Like,
1: Well, it also goes to show you, too, that as a parent, if you, not that I know anything about parenting, I'm not one, but if you really pay attention and know it, it doesn't cost very much money to make a little kid happy. If, like, I remember, like, getting, like, an action figure for Christmas, and that was, like, the main gift of what i you know like that's eight dollar thing but it was the one that i wanted and it was like uh, the best christmas ever and that was like an eight dollar thing but the point is was i got the exact thing that i wanted but speaking of old towns getting uh you know being behind on things like that i would go back when you know when we would visit my grandparents uh, when I wasn't big into card collecting, I'd go to the card collecting shop there. Oh, I know. Because they always had, for whatever reason, the guy wouldn't even have the subscription to the Beckett's. The price guide. Yeah, the price guide. Uh, so he'd have these old ones or whatever there. So I would just look through the new one, oh, like no. what cards had gone up in price <laughs> and whatnot, and what had gone down. And I would just rip the guy off. Yeah,
0: Barty Fife behind the counter, like <laughs> yeah, but, just happy to have some business that day.
1: Which, uh, of of course, looking back, uh, what what at the time was me ripping him off was was you know still a poor investment. Uh, yeah, none of those. Ca- cards are worth anything today yeah um but uh i think we are both ripping each other off um, yeah when it comes to that truly yeah it's just i wish uh, i could
0: have the, all the money back i've spent on baseball cards oh just ridiculous cards
1: or, oh one of my, my brother-in-law like his his dad that was like how they bonded mm-hmm. and her uh, and And his dad had one of those things where it was like his mom had thrown out all of his cards and he had, you know, whatever that would have been worth this Mm -hmm. and that. And and so his dad had spent probably like $100,000 because he would just come home with boxes of everything. And that's what they did, you know that's how they bonded that's how they spent time together it was opening up packs and sorting them oh, yeah. and going through and mm-hmm. just like and he just has like a, a, a whole room just filled like floor to ceiling with just boxes and boxes and boxes and it's just like what do i do uh, uh, do you just call someone and be like hey here's a bunch of free cards if someone will just pick these up yeah. and get them out of my place essentially
0: thing. yeah can I put these in recycling? I mean, is it worth it?
1: Uh, yeah. The, the nice thing about I was always really shy around girls, so it was a nice confidence booster to go to that small town because um, because uh, you know I was never like one of the cool kids or whatever. Like I said, I wasn't like I, I didn't get bullied a lot or anything, but I wasn't one of the cool kids either. Sure. But I would go back to like Lansing, Iowa, a small town, and. I was big into like I was an aggressive rollerblader. Oh. Uh like I'd do half pipes and stuff like really? that and and uh and and so I was always an adrenaline junkie, but I so I was very good on rollerblades by the time, you know, rollerblades hit Lansing, Iowa four or five years after. Right that initially came out. You know, they were just starting to be. And you were already cool. a master. And yeah, I was a, So I was just like a Jedi. To most <laughs> people. So I'd be skating down the street, like jumping off things and flying down hills and doing this and that. And they're out the. Co-
0: they're at the uh, coffee shop. I think Tony Hawk's in town. There's this kid <laughs> yeah. doing
1: flips. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So I got to be quite a stud in old Lansing, Iowa. <laughs>
0: They finally traded in their, uh, one of those ones that, I think I had them, they're like metal, they go over your shoes, you know, like the
1: roller skates. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about those things. Yeah, you like attach them to your actual shoes. Yeah,
0: yeah. And there's like maybe one oh, strap. I forgot that and then, that, then, yeah, that yeah, ever
1: was, existed. I know.
0: Well, I know that they, I don't think, I doubt they're still made. My father is a uh, junk, I mean an antique collector slash junk buyer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have two daughters, and he brought a pair of those to my house about a year ago. He's like, oh, you can hold on to these for Megan when she gets older. I'm like... And what? So she can break her break both ankles? Like, no. There's better technology now. No. Yeah, yeah, Do you want my five-year-old to get teased, really? For <laughs> right. like, No. No, 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 no. If, if she's going to do that, we're going real rollerblades. And we can find, there's so many. They've been around so long. There's so many. I bet I could find used ones for the same price as these metal death machines you want me to put on her feet. Yeah. Like, no way. No, no way. How did you, you have uh, two daughters?
1: How old are they? Uh,
0: four and six now. Two four and six.
1: Yeah? Mm-hmm. Nice. Christmas time coming up for you. Better nail it.
0: Well, you, you know, it's funny. You were saying like how the $8 action figures, like the, you know, like it didn't really even matter about price. It's just right. like, you know, if it fits that, you know, what a kid really wants, it, it doesn't matter what the cost. Right. I, I have found that um, you can go and buy the $100 dollhouse. Or you can buy the seven dollar one at the thrift store, and they don't know the difference, right. and they're super
1: excited for either one. Well, that's the. I would think that that's the difference between girls and boys. Other than girls, I I, I don't know if do girls like obsess over uh, clothes or like what's in or whatever more at that age. But I hear what I was going to say is I would think that boys. Uh, would be more into like video games and keeping up with video games and having to buy out whatever's new that year would seem really expensive to me more than just like buying girls dolls or well
0: thankfully my kids have not caught on yet um because i just got my daughter playing my playstation 2 which are now like you know 10 years old right and she thinks it's the greatest thing ever so nice you know, she's not old enough where like friends have like Xboxes and stuff, so she doesn't really know about that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I can still go without having to buy the new newest and best. Nice. And my girlfriend has an iPad, and I don't which means I don't need an iPad. Oh, nice. So, yeah. All those are filled for yeah. very cheap. Co- Next to nothing really,
1: which is very nice. That stuff costs less and less. I I have a but I have a tablet just like sitting in a closet somewhere. I just bought just for a backup for my computer. Whenever like my computer gets fried and I need to send it in or whatever, it's like no, well, no. I have a pad thing, but that's uh, it's like a, a few hundred dollars, and you can be all set up. It's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. How did you? Uh, what got you to leave lacrosse? I want to get back to that. Um, I were wanted, you doing
0: comedy there? How did it start? No, Let's I, go over that I wanted quick.
1: to be a comedian. And I, the idea of performing anywhere where like friends or family would be, was terrifying to me. And there wasn't really anything in the cross that I knew of. Any, I think there was like one room in you know some one nighter, yeah, uh, somewhere. I never even checked it out or went to a show or whatever. I didn't even want to tell people that I wanted to be a comedian. I was like worried about being judged or like sure. people thinking it was like a foolish yeah. idea. Oh, that's or a stupid idea. Like yeah. Let me shit on your dream right now. Right, right, right. So, uh, and you know, I come from, my family was very kind of practical, practical minded and you know, this is how life works. You go to school and then you go to college and you work mm-hmm. hard and uh, do this and that and you know, behave like everybody else and right. your life will be fine. Right. Um. So So. anyhow, so I moved to Boston cause, just because I had a friend who was moving to Boston. Um, he got a job at MIT, and I just decided to take along with him because I didn't know how to start doing stand-up. I just had no idea. So I was like, oh, you must have to go to New York or L.A. And I was like, oh, Boston, close enough. It's a big city. They have comedy clubs around there. Sure. So I'll do that. And I went to Boston. Man, this would have been, I don't know if it was like two thousand. And I literally, I just had no idea what to do. I was just calling up. I looked in the phone book. We were still using phone books at the time. <laughs> right. Uh, at least I was. And <laughs> and uh, I looked in the phone book under comedy club yeah. and just called comedy clubs. Be like, hey, I want to be a comedian. Will you let me be a comedian at your Are club? you guys taking applications for comedians? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, how does it work? How do I get started? Right. And there was a uh, there was one club that kind of in, in Boston that's uh, uh, called the Comedy Studio. It's one of the best clubs in the country to start at anyway. And um, it's it's a showcase room it's yep. in Harvard Square. They always have a really nice audience, uh, very very intelligent audience, but they're also like really enthusiastic. They're not snooty. They'll laugh at, like, blue-collar stuff just as much as they'll laugh at, like, jokes about time travel or, you know, whatever weird thing. Sure. Um, and uh, and the owner is pretty welcoming to new people, and he's like, well, why don't you come by and check out the show? Here's a few free tickets, and come a few, a few times, and then if you decide that it's something that you think you're comfortable with, we have an amateur night on, you know, one Wednesday each month or something like that. And so I did that. And How old were you? I think I was uh, just about to turn 24 Okay. at the time. And so I checked out a couple shows. I was like, yeah, I can do this. No problem. I'm funnier than these people, all that. Yeah. And, and then it came time to do my first set. And I actually had, I'd been writing for many years, uh, just like ideas that I had for stand-up. So I'd wanted to be a stand-up forever. So I had... What I eventually came to find out was that I actually had a lot of good jokes already written. Yeah. Um, So that was helpful when I started. But uh, I didn't really know how it worked with like putting a set together and whatnot. So I remember the night before my stand up, I had all these like pretty good jokes put together. I'd went through my notes. And then I had like this idea for something else. I think it was like about hemorrhoids or something like that. Sure uh that i thought would be funny for some reason it was about like uh it was about like webmd it, it was kind of I just didn't know how to put jokes together. It maybe could have been funny because I hear jokes like this now about like you know WebMD making you feel the symptoms or whatever, and it was about like looking up what hemorrhoids, uh, the symptoms for hemorrhoids, and just like oh well I'm feeling uncomfortable, like my ass feels uncomfortable right Right. now, like reading about this. But the way I delivered it was just like really gross and whatnot, and I, (laughs) I lost my place, and I think I I think I was like. I was going to quote something from the site and I had it like on a piece of paper that I was going to read. Yeah. And then I couldn't find the piece of paper and, and it was, it was kind of uncomfortable, but I actually started out somewhat strong and you know, people knew it was my first time. How long were you up there? Do you remember? uh, I think like five or six minutes or something like that. But, uh, afterwards he was, he was like, figure out, Uh, go to open mics or something like that to hone your act a little more and and then he he gave me the name of a guy in town that taught a stand-up class and so i was like oh you know that's understandable and uh, you know i know what i just did on stage wasn't that great and so i took a stand-up class and that was really helpful just like feeling comfortable and knowing where to go for open mics and like oh Uh, you know just simple stupid stuff like set the mic stand behind you if you aren't going to use it rather than having it in front of you the whole time and and just silly things like that and having having a group environment with a whole bunch of other people trying it for the first time to like run jokes by and whatnot yeah and and that was really helpful so when i first started i did this open mic it was crazy it was uh it was called the emerald isle in dorchester massachusetts and it was in uh, just one of the most awful, like ghettos, basically uh, imaginable, and a really dangerous area. I got mugged uh, at gunpoint one time oh. out, outside the uh, outside this bar. But anyway, this was like a true open mic. Um, if you went there and you signed up, you went up, yeah. uh, and the shows would go for like five, six hours sometimes. And it was miserable, and it was only comics uh there were no well, once in a while you know a newbie would bring his friends to watch him or something like that, and they'd stay until after his set, and then they'd leave and it was it was just everyone was miserable uh, everyone was just thinking about their own stuff, yeah yeah uh, you know, and not really paying attention to anyone on stage <laughs> no, yeah. and and uh <laughs> and you know it was just in this run down bar. And how they lure comedians to sticking around and, and drinking more is they buy pizza for everyone at, at like toward the end of the show, like one o'clock in the morning or whatever. So if you stuck around and you did a spot, you'd get a slice of pizza. And so all these homeless people would come by and no, sign man. for up for this open no. mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So they could, yeah, so that they could get a slice of pizza. So, there'd be always like schizophrenics and whatnot that would get on stage and like just do this fucking horrific ridiculous stuff and and like sometimes it'd be hilarious and then other times it'd just make you feel sad and oh. and uh <clears throat> but it was entertaining
0: I, I was hoping that you were gonna go, and one of those guys actually got up on stage and today he's Mike Berbiglia or something. Uh, yeah, like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Like, for Wrigley, I was from Boston. but uh, yeah, that was a good poll by me. That. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, but I – so I went to this club, and every week I did five minutes of new material. And and it was all – like, I figured out how to make comedians laugh. And mm-hmm. so all my stuff in the beginning, I, I was just kind of – I mean, I was like a big Howard Stern fan, and mm-hmm. I was into, like, kind of – jarring shocking kind of material anyway that's sure. like just what made me laugh at the time yeah uh you know i, I was 23 24 and i didn't have a whole lot of life experience. As from a smaller town haven't traveled much right. and i was like angry about life and whatnot and so i had a lot of like really weird uh filthy stuff but uh so i did i did a new act every single week and I get like a laugh a week, basically. And so at the end of it, I went back to that comedy studio for like the graduation show. And I put together for my set at the comedy studio, which was actually like a proper, like a good club. Yeah. And I had just like the set of the night by a long shot. And there were like, there were other more established comedians that were on the show and everything. And so there were a, a, a lot of like more established Comedians that were there watching the show too, and right away they're like, "Oh, this guy's great!" And so they started uh, putting my name into all the clubs around the city, and um, and then I kind of gained a reputation for doing all all this new material all the time because I already had all this stuff written, so I was just going through old notes and whatnot. Yeah. And everyone was so encouraging that it just happened really fast, where. Next thing I knew, I was hosting, you know, after a few months at clubs. And then I was such a bad host. I was horrendous. (laughs) Uh, I could never remember anyone's intro. I didn't feel comfortable, like being a cheerleader and stuff. I'm still still not that great of a host. Um, And so, because I was so bad as a host, but clubs still liked me mm-hmm. and like believed in me, and like the local comics were really pushing for me. Um, clubs just started featuring me. Okay, right away. You skipped. You skipped. So a step. yeah, I, I totally skipped a step awesome. and just became a feature right away, and uh, and that went really well. And then I even started doing like longer headlining sets in like like I would I would travel like three hours to go. And do a headlining set at at some like essentially open mic just because they would let me do you know an hours worth of time there sure. or whatever and so even within a year or so I was I was having uh, the stage time available to do like a full hour set which really helped me develop in a hurry i mean looking back i'm like oh those jokes aren't that great i don't know how i got through that and i i mean i would still get some pretty good laughs and mm-hmm. everything um it's you know what it is part of that is your audience rises to the level that you have too so mm-hmm. if Uh, A lot of comics are like, oh, I used to tell this joke, and now it doesn't get any laughs anymore. It's because your jokes now are better, and so you've raised the bar of your own set. So now it's like you're telling – you just told this awesome – new joke of yours that's better than your old stuff and people laughed at that and now you're telling this old joke that used to be your best joke but now it's not your best joke anymore and you're going how come that doesn't get the laugh that it used to and some people just attribute that to uh well i don't deliver it with the same confidence or or, or you know i i don't put as much into it as i used to because but part it's of it delivered so many times and yeah i think yeah. that's it Uh, Part of it's also because you have better jokes now. Or you should. You should be constantly getting better as a comedian. I think right now what I'm doing is the best stuff that I've ever done.
0: That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah.
1: So, um, So, yeah. So I did that. And then things were going pretty well. So about two years in, I got in the Boston Comedy Festival. And I did really well in that. I kind, of, uh, I kind of got in my head in the finals and made some poor choices um, because I let some people influence me, like um, half-assed, like managers and agents that were there that gave me really bad advice um, that I listened to and shouldn't have, mm. which was a valuable lesson. Um, but I didn't do that well in the finals, but that was enough for um, this comic uh – oh, actually, Chell from minneapolis yeah and i i owe him big time because he he put my name in he was in the boston comedy festival and he saw he didn't move on but he saw me and he was like to these hbo he had done this hbo aspen comedy festival the year before he had become friends with whatever tour or uh, talent scout yeah and he was like oh you got to check out this guy shane moss so this lady calls me, and she's like, hey, can you send me a tape? I sent her a tape, and she's like, that's great. I want to get you on the showcase um, for this HBO festival in Aspen, which was a pretty prestigious time thing at the time. It yeah. doesn't exist anymore, right, but right. it went for like 20 years. And then uh, I did a couple showcases in New York, and then um, this lady was really pushing for me. I was, I was one of the last people selected the selected like 22 new comics a year for this festival and i think i was like the 21st or 22nd comic selected just barely got in and went to the festival had just like the best sets of my life uh won an award for best stand-up comic yeah and um and got management and representation and got to be on conan uh right away so i did conan before my third year anniversary wow. of doing do stand up. Uh, and then uh, That's fast. and then from so from that, you know, on my first Conan I plugged I plugged a club on it so I could do my first like proper headlining gig like at a real club um you know week long thing and and that went really well. And again, looking back at the material I was doing, I was like, man, I've uh i hate a lot of that material it wasn't that good but i did very well yeah and it worked at the time it worked at the time and and then uh you know and then i got on conan again and i got more clubs and i had that ball of steam going and and so uh then i was just a full-time road comic about three years in and so uh so yeah that's kind of how i got my break
0: some question i always like asking when people say they've done uh, the late night talk shows um who was on the episode that you were on? Do you remember of Conan the
1: first time? Yeah, um, it was uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Doogie Howser, who um, I was upset because I did a joke on that show, and then months later I was watching uh, How I Met Your Mother, and then out of out of uh, Neil, Neil Patrick Harris's character's mouth came. One of the jokes that I had done. No way. Uh, on Conan, while he was like there watching me, and uh, so I was like, D- "What did he think that he ad libbed that, or were the writers of the show watching while he was on Conan? Yeah. Like, what the fuck happened there?" But it was a joke that wasn't like uh, it wasn't my most brilliant, like uh, unbelievably unique joke in the world. So it's not like no one could have thought of it. Yeah, uh, it was just you know. Um, Well, that's crazy. Yeah. uh, Maybe just a very odd coincidence Uh, that that happened. Could be. Uh, Could be a lot of things. But anyway, fuck that guy. (laughs) Um, But Conan was super nice. Yeah. I
0: bet. I bet.
1: Yeah. When I'm on TV, I'm like, oh, this is probably going to suck like most TV that I watch. That sucks. I suck. Everything sucks. And so it's not even that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out there and suck. It's like... Uh, this is a shitty environment for a stand up to be in or i i don 't i don 't think like i 'm i think i 'm a good stand up comedian but that 's it like i don 't think i 'm a good actor i don 't think i 'm a good improviser i don 't think i 'm good at pretty much anything else maybe there 's there 's skills that i 'll get eventually mm-hmm. um but i don 't i just don 't really care i like doing stand up but to show stand up the way it 's meant to be on t v almost nobody's pulling that off and so late night shows and stuff it's just like you know kind of an afterthought that you put at the end of a show yeah like um oh, before we say good night here's a little five minute thing and then and then you know there's there's a whole camera crew in between you and the audience and so it's a different dynamic yeah, than I what a club it? is and and it's not set up specifically for stand-up comedy which obviously it's not meant to be right, you know that's right. what uh, you know a show like live at Gotham or premium blend or something like that is for which is a totally different vibe and so all of that stuff is a lot of fun and it's a great opportunity and i'm very thankful for every time that i i get to showcase my act no matter what the circumstances sure. are but it's just not constructed specifically for... I think the only thing that I've done is like uh, Jimmy Kimmel where they had a, a whole separate stage built like it wasn't even in the same room. Oh, it's
0: outside, isn't it?
1: It was like... Well, they've experimented with different things. They did it outside for a while and then – which is weird because it's, like, a whole different audience. Like, they pull this audience, like, off the street. They're not seeing any of the whole rest of the show. And all they're there to see is this weird five-minute stand-up spot that you're doing. and. Which is kind of like nice because they're just really enthusiastic for that five minutes. <laughs> it, it doesn't take much to have people be enthusiastic Now five minutes. when the lights go minutes. on. Yeah. And so when I did it, it was like a stage inside that was in a separate building. But it was like an intimate room, not unlike this, uh, smaller than this, but nice and intimate. Still chairs right up to the stage and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the cameras were floating throughout or behind the audience. And the difference between that and having the cameras in front of the audience and having it like, okay, audience, you are now watching this. Production that you are separated from, and like a lot of people aren't watching you; they're watching the monitors mm-hmm. up on. So now it's like there's such a level of disconnect between you and them that it changes the vibe completely.
0: No one's brought so, that up here before. That's interesting.
1: Oh, it's well, it's night that. and day. Yeah, it well, really it, is. You make and, a really good point. And uh, I mean, I think the Kimmel set that I did, I didn't really put much thought into my set i was just at a place at the time like i had all these spots uh i had done like three conans and i just got done doing um you know live at gotham and i had a comedy central presents coming up and i just done the showtime thing and i had done like about an hour of material on tv and like all these short spots and all these different little things here and there and and going overseas and doing some tv spots and i kept on for every one i was trying to do different material on each and every one and this was like in a in a couple year period so by the time i got around to that kimmel one i was really stretching it with where my material was at without repeating you're saying yeah without repeating any of the jokes that i'd done and so I think it was some of the worst material that I've oh, no. ever ever gone into a, a late night set doing but it was like one of the best that I've ever felt about just because of that level of intimacy and yeah. everything and and so that's great and I can't wait to get back on Conan again it's been a while I've I've kind of uh I've changed my act quite a bit and I'm doing more of like uh my act's more of like a long form kind of a thing now. I kind of have like a theme to it and kind of uh, explain a few things. And it's kind of, it's a little bit science and whatnot. And it's like a lot to get into. And so I don't do like a lot of quick one-liners like I used to do. Or if, if I do, they're in a context of like this bigger picture of what I'm saying. And so I haven't done a late night set in forever because of that. Um... And And so now I want to go back and do it. and It's going to be great to go back on Conan again and everything, but uh it's just you have to get in a totally different mindset when you walk out there. It's like, okay, remember, you gotta to talk to the camera maybe a little bit, or just remember that you know there's the disconnect with the audience, so mm-hmm. and they're always like a little nervous in the beginning. That's what I did really well in my first few Conan's. Was I just happened to That's what I was into at the time Was I really liked the structure of jokes Where I would make everything really uncomfortable (laughs) Right at the top Just like excruciatingly uncomfortable And then I would just uh, have a little twist And a joke or whatever That would make everything okay And release that tension And it worked especially good on, on things like Conan Where the audience is not there they don't. To they may not know who you, you are. You know. They don't Good know who you, you are. Yeah. They would probably much rather see a band. If anything, yeah. they're kind of in their heads. Like, oh, is there a camera on me right now? Right. You know, like, like, like whenever, f- whenever f- someone feels like this pressure, like, oh, I should, should I laugh now? When's the appropriate time to laugh? And you're in your head. That's really hard. So it actually, uh, that style lended itself to that because what I would do is I would go out. And I would just make it so uncomfortable in the room that everyone was like, they were terrified. They didn't know what was happening. They were like, what is this guy doing? Does he know what he's doing? Did you get that what? from
0: somebody else? Or did you come up with that? You know, as a uh, I I have a good idea. I'm going to make everyone uncomfortable. Did someone. Was someone uh, else doing that? You were like,
1: I like that idea. Or? No, I think that was like pretty natural. Not that no one else has done that, right. but I think that was kind of. Um, just in, in the process of figuring out, you know, the various ways of, of building an expectation and twisting it and, and having that surprise and keeping the audience, uh, on their toes. Uh, I stumbled across that, which turned out to be a good way to open for me because I was always kind of drier and, I was never totally comfortable on stage anyway. Like I'm just not uh not the most socially comfortable person in the world. I'm a good joke writer. Yeah. I just uh I I've never felt like 100% comfortable on stage. Uh, being on stage is one of my least favorite parts of comedy. Isn't that weird? I like sitting and writing. Yeah. It's um so weird. So, And you could
0: write for someone else and
1: never have to go on stage. Yeah. That's an option. Yeah, yeah. But I also like, I would be mad that they're not telling it in the, the way, way that want I want it the to be told. Uh-huh. But so to ease that tension that I have, it was just easier for me to make things ultra uncomfortable and then break that tension. So that really lent itself to late night. So that's why my, especially my first Conan was uh, really successful because not- I executed that.
0: I've been following you on Twitter for a while. You're really funny on there. Oh, thanks. And, um, you're saying, like, you're the kind of your new stuff is more long-form, uh... I can say from first-hand experience that you're, what you're writing on Twitter is, you know, 140 characters or less, and you're doing a good job being uh, funny on there. And that's just joke. That's Yeah, yeah, that, thanks. Twitter is the opposite of long form.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, some of it I'll have, like, something that I'm studying or putting together. Like, I'll have, like, a really long bit that I'll be like, oh, how can I sum this up in under 140 characters? So that's where some of that's coming from. But a lot of it's just an outlet. Of, a, a lot of the stuff I tweet hasn't ended up in my act at all. Um, so when, when I go, I just tweet that stuff and then it's just, uh, I'm done with it. And then when I go back to it, um, is after like, say, say I get an hour special, hopefully. Um, and I record that I'll scrap my act and then I, Every time I scrap my act, or I'm just like bored with it or whatever, I'll just ditch it all and I'll go through my Twitter feed and I'll just put together a new act from my Twitter feed and then um, and then start fresh. And then I also try to do the same thing once, um, uh, kind of toward the end of uh, uh, like right about now. I should do it because my act's pretty much at a point where it's like my hours about finished i'm mm-hmm. still figuring out what i want to add in and what i want to delete but it's pretty close to finished so right now i can go through my twitter feed and be like oh that works perfectly with that joke now that i have all the pieces nice assembled but nice. yeah for the most part i just uh i use twitter just to keep uh people um entertained
0: yeah it's well it's it's good stuff i um I'm sure you don't remember this, but one of the last times you were at t- in town performing at Acme, you stopped at the radio station, KQ, where I work. You left that day, and I left that day, with your CD that I think was pretty brand new at the time. Oh, okay. What is yeah. it? I, now I don't remember. It parents proud? chokes uh, to make my I parents proud. Know, yeah. 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 Are, you, are you pretty proud of that stuff still?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's just totally different than what I do now, so... It's interesting what happened during that recording. I had four sets. First set went amazing. I was like, nailed it. That's a CD. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna get better than that. I had the second set went even better. I was like, oh my god, that's like the best set that I've ever had. That's a perfect CD. Third set went even better than that. Like I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Yeah, Uh, I've never had such a strong set before and it's all recorded that's perfect so what i decided was that i would just get hammered and then maybe i'll riff with the audience or ad lib some stuff and maybe i can add like a bonus track or you know something like that just see what happens but that show went so well it like ended up being the best show of the (laughs) week and so uh I ended up using that one. Really? So I'm pretty hammered on the C D. They had to they had to take a couple things out of the other ones because I got a little slurry here really? and there <laughs> on some of the jokes. But yeah, that's like me absolutely hammered. That's awesome. Um, and and so Uh, I mean, I look back and I'm like, maybe there's a couple things I would have changed, but there's also and there's also like a couple bits that I'm like, oh, that would work so good to illustrate this point that I have now that's part of this bigger picture whereas when I made the CD it was like, here's a joke, now here's a different joke for you, now here's a different joke for you, which just isn't my style's just completely changed over the last like year or so Wow. from that um so yeah, I'm I'm proud enough of the CD. Um, I don't think it's going to be uh, the best work that I put out. Um, I thought I thought for a first CD, it was pretty good.
0: You don't want to peek early.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean,
0: all right. Um, I uh, I said out? I follow you on Twitter, but I don't remember at
1: Twitter or er, at Twitter at Shane Comedy is my Twitter
0: at Shane Comedy
1: S H A N E yep. Comedy
0: Facebook. You much on there?
1: Just all my tweets also go through my Facebook fan page, yeah. which is shane comedy fan i uh, I often have uh, people write me on Twitter and Facebook and oh can I get a discount? uh on shows i'm i'm broke right now and this and that and i can sometimes help people out well, depending on where i'm at it's hard to act me because i have so many family and friends it's definitely much harder for me in minneapolis but anyway if if you follow me on twitter and facebook sometimes uh you can reap the rewards of uh get me giving out yeah free re- retweet him that's yeah. a
0: good way to brown those probably yeah exactly <laughs> perfect Shane thank you thank you for having I me appreciate I appreciate it. it yeah we'll do this that was again fun. awesome